this week, uh, we're starting a new series called Love in Action. And the whole idea here is understanding that that many people, when they look at Christians, that they look at believers, churchgoers, they can often say that's some of the most unloving uh, of all the people out there. They seem harsh, they seem judgmental, and maybe you've heard or experienced this kind of a thing, and, and yet we're supposed to be known for the opposite. We're supposed to be known for being very loving. Now, when we talk about what it means to have love in action, that doesn't necessarily mean that we just say everything is okay, everything is cool, do what you want, that's fine. Sometimes the loving thing is to say, brother, sister, I love you and that's not good for you. Brother, sister, I love you and that's not the best thing for you. And, and I'm not doing you any favors by just being quiet or going along with it. And so uh, what we want to focus on this idea of a gift is, is what we read in Ephesians, uh, excuse me, in Matthew, our gospel reading, yeah, uh, about this idea of a gift. And so if you could bring up that gospel reading, that'd be awesome. Um, <clears throat> so the gospel one, there you go, awesome. So in Matthew 7, uh, we hear Jesus say these words. Uh, he's, and I read part of this for the children's message. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. But to the one and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. One more slide, please. Okay. All right. So uh, in this passage, uh, uh, what... Um, Jesus is getting at is this whole idea of what it means to go to the Lord and, and begin to give what you have received. And so uh, part of this love and action then is the idea of what it means to have a gift, what it means to um, receive freely from the Lord and then give to others. And I know that for a lot of us, uh, you know, gift giving is huge. Like it's one of those love languages. It's something that comes very easily to us. And we enjoy giving gifts. That's a joy for many, many people. Sometimes we can't be patient enough, right? We can hardly wait for that person to open it or for them to be a part of it. So the idea of a gift, right? A thing willingly given uh, to someone without payment, a present. No strings attached. I give this to you freely, lovingly, with care, knowing that uh, there's not necessarily anything in return. It's just, I want to give you this. This is a present. But sometimes we talk about a gift as a natural ability or talent, right? So, so if we have Shannon and Solvay up here, there's a lot of practice that goes into that. But uh, we would recognize some people just have that incredible gift, whatever it is that God has given them, the ability to speak, the ability to play a sport uh, or, or to play an instrument, whatever the case might be. And so we might rejoice in the gifts that God has given to us. Uh, but I want to ask you the question this morning. Can you imagine getting everything you want. Everything. I mean, that, that, it's, a, it's a great little thought experiment, isn't it? So when I was a kid, 
just like everybody else, I watched some Nickelodeon. Hopefully you logged in a couple hours on Nickelodeon. And, uh, and so there was always like either a show or a commercial about some kind of sweepstakes, some shopping spree. Now, I will say, after church today, you can go to the store and you can have a shopping spree. You have to pay for it, but you can have a shopping spree. But this was different. That you didn't have to pay for it. So, like, you always have, like, a kid in a toy store, right, with a cart, and you got, like, a minute or something to fill it up. You know, unabated, uninterrupted avarice, you know, at its best. Uh, and so, so kids running through the store, running through the aisles, and just throwing everything they could in there. If you could get it to fit, it counted, and then you had to get across this finish line before the time expired, and you got to keep that stuff. And, and for a lot of, uh, at least for me as a child, it captured my imagination. I thought, I would definitely start at the video game area, you know, um, right? Help my strategy, my plan. And, and I think that sometimes you and I, even though a few years have gone by since we were kids, still kind of think this way. And we think, when we have to hear this question, can you imagine getting everything you want, what hops into our mind are all the material things that we've ever wanted, that maybe we didn't get, that we didn't have. And, uh, but the beautiful thing about it is if we switched out that word for want to need, I think most of us would probably affirm, God has given me everything that I need. My body works pretty well most days. I have a job. I have a house over my a roof over my head. I've got a family who cares for me. They're not perfect, right? No, nobody's family is. Nobody's house is perfect. Nobody's car is perfect. But I've got basically the stuff that I need to do the things God is calling me to do. May not have everything I want, although the Cubs did win 21 to 0. Anyway, um, so, so yes, can you imagine being content with everything you have? Because God has given you what you need. It's a great question. And when Jesus says these words about asking, seeking, and knocking, please notice that every one of those sentences end with a future, right? It will be given. You will find. It will be open to you. Jesus is making some unconditional promises. I suppose if there's a condition, it's the idea that you would, in the first place, ask, seek, and knock. Now, he's not saying that whatever you pray for and whatever you ask for, you're going to get. But he is saying that he wants you to engage in a conversation, to communicate. And that at the root of that is the love that Jesus has for us. You know, people, we, we say that sometimes as almost a throwaway, as, as almost uh, with an afterthought. Jesus loves you. And we think, well, that's nice. But, but do you know what that means? That Jesus loves you. That that's what drove him to the cross. That's what drove him to rise from the dead. Is his love for God's children. For sinners who are in need of forgiveness. And that that love changes action. And so if we're going to talk about a sermon series of love and action. And what it means for Christians to share the love of Jesus. This has everything to do with who he is. Uh, Jesus uses an, uh, somewhat of an argument here, and, and you guys heard it uh, in those words. He said, uh, which one of you, if his son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts uh, to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to those who ask? And so he's using that argument, right, from the lesser to the greater, you know, and, and some of us have different experiences with our dads. 
Some of us had a really great experience. Some of us had a really terrible experience and everything in between because dads are not perfect. Uh, neither are moms, neither are kids, neither are pastors. But yet when you compare these things, Jesus is saying, listen, you probably had some positive experiences in your life with your father. He actually got something right here and there. And if he could do that, how much more then will your heavenly father who is perfect give to those who ask him? And so uh, I think it's a beautiful reminder that God is in control and that he is the gift giver. Every single thing I have in my life that is anything came from his hand. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But yet it's a gift, something given freely by God. And I love this quote at the top of the screen here. Life is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to God. Right? There's nothing, we cannot reach into our pocket and pull out the cash equivalent to everything God has ever given us. And if we did, it'd no longer be a gift, it'd be a transaction. And yet, in our walk spiritually, we try to pull things out of our pocket and make it even with God. And when we do that, we are trying to negate His grace. We're trying to turn it into some kind of a, a transaction. But I love this idea that what we do with our life, how we love others, our spouse, our kids, perfect strangers, how we reflect God's love. All that is a gift to God. And it's not because he's going to love us more. He's going to look at us and say, that's my kid. That's my boy. You know, and he's going to have um, that sense of connection. Uh, so Jesus says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And we know this is the golden rule, Right? And from the very early age, our parents kind of drummed this in our head, probably. Don't treat your brother like that. Don't treat your sister like that. Treat them how you would like to be treated, right? And, uh, you know, that's kind of what we heard growing up. Uh, I've mentioned before, I, I grew up uh, with five brothers. And uh, my oldest one was already off to college. And he was going to study to be a minister. So the rest of us knuckleheads are, you know, beating each other up and wrestling in and, and the house. And my parents would, of course, not like that very much uh, and get on to us. And uh, they would say this, right, treat others the way you want to be treated. But then they'd quickly add to that, Mike wouldn't do this. He's studying for the ministry, you know, right? And I'm like, do you think that had any effect on my career choice? I don't know. Anyway, um, so, so that idea that he was the golden boy, he was the one who did things the right way, and we were always encouraged to try to do things the right way for the right reason. But the truth of the matter is, is that you and I, we cannot keep the golden rule. We can try, but think about it for just a second. Have you always treated every single person in your life the way you wanted to be treated? And I think we quickly realize no. There are times where I have been harsh or judgmental. There have been times when I was impatient, times where I was just simply frustrated and angry and I took it out on somebody. And uh, I wouldn't like it if somebody did that to me, yet I did it to others. So the point of me bringing this up isn't to make you necessarily just feel bad, but to understand that the idea of keeping the golden rule, much less showing love to other people on a regular, consistent basis, is impossible for us because we're sinners. So we don't just throw our hands up and say, ah, I can't do it anyway, I'm not going to bother trying. What we do is we get driven closer to Jesus. Because that's why Jesus came. He came to forgive the sins that we have committed. He came because we are unloving. He came because we don't keep the golden rule. If we could be loving and we could keep the golden rule, we probably wouldn't need Jesus. 
right? We wouldn't need a savior because we could do it all ourselves, and yet we know we can't. So in light of the Beatitudes, and this happens, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, and this is fairly famous, right? Jesus speaks the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, and he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, the, the blessed are the merciful and the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are the persecuted. Now, very, very few of those times can we meet the bar that Jesus puts out in that sermon. And yet, it is Jesus himself, as he speaks, who is both the gift giver and the gift. Paul says it this way in the book of Romans. Owe no one anything except to love each other. Right? So don't be in debt except for that you love one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a type of the golden rule, right? Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. What would it look like if we loved other people the way God loves us? What would that look like in our marriage? What would that look like in our parenting? What would that look like in our uh, workplace? They're great questions to ask. And this is what God is challenging and pushing us towards. Again, Jesus is himself the gift giver, and Jesus is himself the actual gift. My prayer for you as, as we continue to explore in this sermon series, what God's love in our life can look like when we put it into action, when we put it into practice, we could maybe counter those stereotypes of Christians as uncaring and judgmental and unloving. Perhaps we can put in the place of that what it means to speak the truth in love, what it means to point others to Jesus Christ, what it means to own our own sin and shame, not explain it away, but take it to God and ask for forgiveness. I think that's a bigger part of the Christian life.